Listening to Pushing It, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and life with a new baby. Because if you can't laugh about peeing yourself, you might as well laugh at yourself while doing it. I'm Elise McAllister. And I'm Jen Laird. And today we are here with our awesome guest, Ali Thayer, who is going to share her really powerful postpartum story with everyone. And then her website, ppdjourney.com, which came from her journey with uh, postpartum mood. And it's a great resource and and a fantastic online community. Thanks so much for being here with us. Welcome, Ali. All right. Well, welcome so much, Ali, to the show. Uh, we're so glad that you could join us today and chat with everyone. We would love to have you just kind of introduce yourself and tell everyone about who you are and why you're such an amazing guest on our show today. <laughs> no pressure. Why wow, are you that amazing? Was, that was a very broad question. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little, um, Ali, first of all, what your passion is. Um, yeah. See, that's what I said, why she's amazing. <laughs> well, ladies, thank you so much for having me on today. I'm very excited to talk about um, maternal mental health and the importance that um, that it is and the intention that it really desperately needs and has been lacking for a long time. Um, a little bit about me. I am from Nashville, Tennessee, and I had my daughter in January of 2018. And about a week and a half to two weeks after having her, I knew something was desperately wrong and that I was not okay. So yeah. I started Googling and um, I had never heard of postpartum depression, but that's where I found myself smack dab in the middle of it. Um, and I remember looking at my mom almost three weeks postpartum and saying, I really need help because this is not okay. Hmm. So that's where I found myself after coming out of PPD. Um, I just started to think and pray and wonder, what am I going to do with this? Um, and I just felt this tugging on my heart that like the story wasn't for me to keep to myself. I needed to be vocal about it and share and hope that they could further along the medical community and how to treat it and help other moms. Come out. Thank you so much for sharing um, that little bit with us. Um, I have a couple questions. Can you tell us more about um, what were you doing in life um, before you chose to have a baby? Yeah, so um, I am actually a hairstylist. Oh, cool. Um, yes, that was my chosen career path. And so I was in the salon working, um, doing hair, cut, color, um, doing all of that, being really involved at my church. Um, hanging out with friends, leading a small group. So I was very active and really loved every facet of my life and everything that I was doing. And had your pregnancy been kind of a long-awaited sort of, had you always wanted to be a mom? Were you guys really planning towards having kids? Yes. So, oh. no, so it was not long-awaited. Okay. Um, it was actually a surprise. But so oh. my husband and I got married. I was 20 when I got mm -hmm. married. And then we got pregnant when I was 21, just one month um, before our first wedding anniversary. Okay. Oh, awesome. And what was your pregnancy like? 
So my pregnancy was pretty bad. I had every, <laughs> like, if you look at pregnancy, you see all the symptoms. I had every single one of them. Oh, <laughs> that's rough. Yes. I just you were super pregnant. <laughs> oh my gosh, guys, I gained 47 pounds. I'm only 5'1". So I'm oh. so much weight. It was, I mean, it was completely miserable. And then my daughter waited an extra week to come out. So I was 41 weeks with her by the time she came. Gotcha. Oh. So a long awaited, um, let's, let's meet this child. <laughs> <laughs> and can you tell us kind of a quick version of what kind of, what kind of birth you had and did it go as expected? Although I feel like that's a little bit of a trick question because when does that happen? Um, so no, my birth did not go anything like it was expected. We had finally scheduled a C-section just because she was so big, measuring so big and my body was so small and it was scheduled for a Monday. Well, I went into labor naturally on a Saturday night. And so we oh, went wow. and ended up laboring for 20 hours. I ended up getting an okay. infection, spiking a fever, getting tachycardic. Ella was tachycardic. And so they decided to do an emergency C-section after gotcha. wow. hours in which they put me to sleep for because I had a panic attack on the table. So oh, shoot. Asleep for her birth and actually didn't even know that I had had her until about 13 or 14 hours later. Wow. Oh, wow. So you woke up um, kind of in the hospital room. Yes. Yeah. No, like wh what was your first thing when you opened up your eyes? What was happening? Um, they were handing her to me and saying, this is Ella. And I was hmm. like, sorry, what? <laughs> wow. And so they had told me that they had already pumped me. Wow. Um, and tried to get her to latch, but I was asleep for all of those first moments. So oh, gosh. Very yeah. Delusioned and didn't have that experience of, holy crap, I just had a baby. This is exciting. It was right. of course. So. Right. What were the emotions like in that moment? And I mean, gave a little bit of a picture of that, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I will say I was so thankful to not be pregnant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was excited to be like, well, at least it's over. And at least that part's done and we can move on. Um, looking back, I think I was in shock. And yeah, I don't absolutely all that had happened um, and didn't process either that, you know, I wasn't having those initial bonding moments or anything like that. So, but I think yeah. in the moment I was just like in shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you say that you felt traumatized? Um, I definitely, I remember like a week after being home, I told my husband, I am never doing this again. This was the worst thing I think we've ever sure. done. So I, I think looking back and again, I knew nothing about perinatal mood disorders at all before having one. And so and then mm -hmm. I started I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely had a traumatic birth experience. Oh, yeah, I definitely yeah. and PPA and all of the things. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I would say my birth experience was completely traumatizing to the point where I can't look at photos mm. really without getting that, like, lurch in my stomach of, oh, my gosh, sure. do that again. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Wow. So when did those dark feelings start to kind of emerge, um, kind of that those feelings of dread and darkness? That emerged um, 
probably about a week and a half after being home with Ella. So because of my C-section and because it was um, an emergency and not planned, that recovery is just a lot harder. Yeah. So I wasn't able to move around. I wasn't able to breastfeed her well. Um, I wasn't able to change her or, I mean, I just was completely, I was watching everybody else take care of my baby because I was stuck on the couch and I couldn't move. Yeah. And I think the, the feeling of, gosh, is this going to be like this forever started setting in at about a week and a half. And I kept telling my mom and my husband, you know, as soon as I physically feel better, I'll, I'll be good. I'll be able to take care of her the way that I want to. I'll be able to do what a mom should do. And that's what I thought. And so those dark feelings were coming, but I also hmm. thought, well, as soon as I'm healed from this, then I'll be okay. Hmm. That was not the case. <laughs> Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Did did you feel like you had it sounds like you had care. It sounds like your support. Yeah, and... support with your husband and your mom trying to help with those physical things. Um did you feel like you had a sense of people kind of reaching out to you like how you doing, Allie? You're doing great. We're we're here. We see you or did it feel like there was a lot of I don't know, um excitement about baby and you are kind of left watching the scene? So I think that because my PPD came on so early that my husband and my mom were able to see like, well, why don't you really want to hold her? Or, you know, gotcha. why, you know, why don't you really want to look at her? And then honestly, this is just a godsend. My best friend is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so- okay was actually the first one when I was three weeks postpartum, even though she knew I'd kind of been struggling. She looked at me and she was like, look, <laughs> you're yeah. sleeping. You're down. I mean, I told you I gained 47 pounds. I lost all of that. And then some three oh, weeks wow. because I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. Right. She was the one that was like, look, this is clinical. There's something wrong. So. Right. Right. What a gift that you have, oh, her, have her in your life. And yeah. she can see that. Yeah, I think I, I think I want to jump in to kind of translate um, this a little bit for our listeners that um, we know that one of, um, well, let's talk about a few of the signs of um, postpartum mood disorder or depression or even OCD um, in Ali's story here. First of all, um, having um, a traumatic um, birth, um, one in which involves an emergency um, situation where, for instance, um, most of the time, time during a C-section, um, people are allowed to be awake and conscious. And there are times where it is necessary to put that person under. Um, and then that shock of coming out and going, wait, I now have a baby and I wasn't aware of a time, right? Um, I think secondly for Allie, hearing that um, she felt disconnected from um, kind of the experience, um, both of birth as well as being able to take care of a baby afterwards, the lack of um, appetite, the lack of interest in baby, whether that being holding or even looking at um, kind of a disconnect from emotions, lack of desire or ability to sleep, to eat, or general ability to engage in everyday experiences. Um, having listened to a bit of your um, your in, your video on your website, Allie, um, I noticed too that it seemed like there was this dialogue going on inside of your head, but it doesn't sound like that dialogue was actually able, 
those those thoughts weren't able to be verbalized as far as I'm in total darkness. This is horrible. Kind of that internal fight inside of you. Would you would you agree with with that? Yes, I would agree with that. And and you know, part of it's because the thoughts that you are having seem so unnatural and mm-hmm. so far wrong. And you're you're scared to voice that because people will think you are insane. I mean, you know, and my husband, I mean, the, the point that got really bad, he looked at me and he said, Allie, you do know if you were to ever kill our child, like I couldn't say married to you. Hmm. Oh, wow. That's intense. That's sad. How bad it was. And I mean, he wasn't being mean, obviously. Right, right. But that's where I was at. I was so far gone. That illness had so far taken me over that it was to the point I was like, I wish she would just die. And that was so hard because here I am always having wanted to be a mother and excited through my whole pregnancy. And then here we are and I'm wishing she would die. And that just didn't make any sense to me. But it that was what my brain was telling me. Right. Can I just pause and really just thank you for sharing yeah. that right there? Because I think I think so many women who experience this are are terrified when they feel those feelings and they think those thoughts and we're not hearing enough women talk honestly about this. And I, and I, and I realize I'm preaching to the choir. This is, this is why you're here, but I think it's so important that, that women are hearing other mothers say, I had these thoughts Mm -hmm. because it helps us normalize that. Yeah, this happens. And yes, there's hope Yeah, Um, because we do need to be able to say, I'm thinking these things. Mm-hmm. Now I need help because we can't get help if we can't feel safe saying I have these thoughts. Yes. Yep. And I mean, and you just, I think if I could say anything to moms out there is be honest and be transparent because, and that is how, I mean, it landed me in, into the ER the first time that I was honestly transparent because my husband was on the phone with the nurse. It was a Sunday. And she said, well, has Allie had homicidal thoughts? And I find, you know, he asked, and I was like, yes, <laughs> even though I hadn't voiced, you know, the details of those things. And then they said, okay, proceed to take her car. Can you walk us through that moment? Yeah. So um, that day I was over at my in-laws house with my baby and my husband. I was three weeks postpartum to the day. And my, my mother-in-law had sent me upstairs to try and nap. She thought I wasn't doing well. And so I laid there for about four hours and I couldn't sleep. And um, my friend Lindsay actually ended up coming over. She's the LMFP. And she came and laid up in the bed with me. And she said, you know, Allie, this, you know, that's when she started the conversation of, you know, something might be really wrong. And she said, let's try and go outside and just get some, some fresh air. So I said, okay. So I went outside with her. And for about 45 minutes since Ella's birth, I felt normal. And I talked to her and we were talking about other, you know, anything other than me, baby, just something else. And I was fine. And I went back inside. And the second I saw Ella, I started crying. And I was like, I'm back in reality. I don't want this reality. This is horrible. And so I just started crying. And then my mother-in-law, again, praise God, she was a school counselor for 20 years. And so she dealt with (laughs) mental health as well. And so she also was like, okay, we're, we're getting in the car and we're going. <laughs> and so she told my husband what was going on. He got in the car with us. And so we started heading just to a, like an urgent care because she was like, you know, I don't know what else to do. It's Sunday evening at like 7 p.m., you know. 
Wow. So we started on our way there and they said, well, we can't do anything for that here. You really need to call her OB, which of course they're not open on a Sunday night. Right. On-call nurse. And so they had said, well, um, you know, start en route to the hospital, which I delivered downtown in Nashville. So we started going down there and they were asking James multiple questions in which I was answering. And the one that finally was like, okay, yes, take her to the ER was the, is she homicidal? Hmm. That's that's how I ended up there. Um, Hmm. And I I really didn't want to go either because I heard, I heard it coming out of my mouth, you know, answering these questions and it sounded so foreign and so wrong. And I was like, yes, I feel these things, but I don't want to feel these things. So I don't want to go and I'll just fix it. Like keep it it out because I don't want to go do this. Right. And I think that's the interesting part about um, when we're experiencing mental health crisis is that there is a part of us that is aware, but part of us when we lean into the, this is not actually right and okay. Um, and, and to be honest, to go, well, this is where I'm at right now. Right. That because you had those thoughts about um, harm of yourself and your child, that that's not something that continues on forever. Right. Whereas I think there's that fear in it of like, well, if I've had this terrible thought about my child, then I have turned into some sort of serial murderer, terrible person that I see on a TV show. Right. Rather than going, well, this is a, a trick or not a trick. That's probably a bad word to use, but this is, this is a part of my brain that is not healthy right now. And I am grounded enough to know this isn't healthy. Right. And I think I, I was able to recognize that to the point, cause I did at one point look at my mom and say, mom, I need help. Yeah. And I, I think even speaking to that of having your husband say in that moment, like you realize that if you harmed our child, I wouldn't be able to stay married to you. I think there's just also a general lack of understanding for people, whether that be spouses or others in our world who they don't, they, he knows you to be this particular person, right? And um, to have, have that come alongside of you and go, you are not well right now. And actually, um, having, having it, having that said, I'm not going to be with you anymore. If you did this is, is probably a reactionary thing for him. Mm-hmm. Even he's, he's afraid. He um, terrified. He was oh afraid. yeah. 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 But it probably didn't snap you into, um, potentially it could actually make you feel more alone. And I think that's also a lack of understanding of, not against him, but just in, in our world, in our community at large of postpartum mood disorder is we are not truly ourselves during that time. There is chemically and emotionally things going on that make us into a different spot. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So at the ER, what, um, what happened there? So they took me in and they um, started doing the triage where they get you checked in and everything. And the the guy said, well, how long am I going to be here? He said, well, you may be here for several days. And I was like, wow, okay, this is serious. Um, and so they ended up taking me back and, you know, you either get really lucky or not so lucky when you go to the ER with the kind of doctor that you get. Right. Uh, I got lucky, let me tell you. So we went back and actually the doctor's name was Allie. And uh-huh. 
been sitting in the bed and of course she's been told what's going on and she came in and she pulled up a chair right next to the bed and she grabbed my hand and she sat down and she said I am so sorry that you are going through this and she said I went through it and it is hell on earth and so she started walking me through that and you know it was the first time anybody had normalized what I was going through for me and I just got lucky that she was my doctor because she knew what I was going through and didn't dismiss it as, well, she's gone crazy or this isn't normal. She said, well, I've been. Right. Yeah. And then and she told me, we're going to get you on some antidepressants and we're going to get you on some anti-anxiety. And then you're going to go see your OB. Awesome. Um, a couple days, but this is, this is going to be the start of how he fixes. And she also said, there are so many people on antidepressants, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, you wouldn't even think we're on them. And so it's really okay that I'm going to put you on medicine for this. And so, and that made me feel better. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's oh, fantastic. That's what wonderful luck you had. Yeah. Doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so how did that journey from meeting this doctor and getting started on the right path lead you to start the journey for um, all the great things that you're doing right now for women? So, um, yeah. So that was at three weeks postpartum and at another, at eight weeks postpartum, I had a second spiral is what I would call it. I actually ended up in the ER again okay. um, for suicidality um, because my medication had kept increasing. My OB had kept increasing and increasing and I ended up on, um, my antidepressant at a hundred milligrams. And, and looking back, we think that's what spiral. Cause when I got on the medicine, I was somewhat stable. Um, I wasn't doing great by any means. I wasn't bonding with Ella. Um, but I was at least a little bit stable, but then it got overdosed in my system and that's what turned me, um, to suicidality. And I just kept thinking, you know, it, even though like the homicidal thoughts were there, I still really didn't want to go through with that. Really, really, truly. I was like, at the right. end of the day, in my mind, I know she's my child. I know this is wrong and I would never hurt her. But then I thought, well, I need to take the threat away. And that threat is me. And so, um, sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is deep stuff, Ellie. Really deep stuff. It's really beautiful, like honest. Because it was a while ago. Now I feel like I shouldn't cry about it. But no, oh, you know no. what? Pain is pain. And I think as I think about my own experience and postpartum mood disorder, mm-hmm. that would be, um, you know, 14 years ago. And if I allow myself to feel those feelings that I had, that darkness, those snapshots for me of sitting in that particular spot, feeling those particular feelings, there is a depth of um, hurt that feels... Um, it's still there. It yeah. doesn't, that part doesn't go away. It feels, it feels like a wound that is healed, but there's still a bit of a scar there that's tender. Yes. Um, it totally makes sense. And I think that also speaks to the, the deepness of a love for, um, for your baby and for yourself. And that um, going through that type of experience is, is impactful, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and it almost feels a distant, who was that? Because that, I, I know those feelings and I can remember that experience, but man, it makes us have some, I think, empathy and self-compassion for that person experiencing real trauma and darkness. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that that has, I like that you have that um that feelings, mm-hmm. um, because I hope that that's empathy, that that's mm-hmm. that poor person who is experiencing that, and um, compassion for ourselves, I think, is what what enables us to change mm-hmm. and to have compassion for others as well. Yes. Well, and I've said, too, um, since having PPD, that was the first time I've ever dealt with depression ever in my life. Sure. And- never dealt with it. One of my best friends growing up actually got on medication in high school for depression. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Why are you doing that? (laughs) And I was like, let's just go eat ice cream. It'll be fine. Mm. Um, And after having PPD and seeing what depression is like, it is not something you just snap out of. It's not, depression is not an emotion. The emotions are symptoms of the depression, but the depression is an actual illness. Wow. That's, That, that was powerful what you just said, friend. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just highlight that. I know. Woo! <laughs> that was big. So, I mean, yeah. and that's just what I've come to know, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're looking at somebody going through it, and it's not them. Their emotions are not them. And what they're thinking, saying, it's not them. It is their brain. Oh. If you look at brain scans, it's really easy. Google yeah, yeah. normal brain versus depressed brain. It yeah. is. And you realize, because we think about mental and we think it's kind of like floating around out there and not a concrete thing. No, this is a very physical illness that you can see that lights up on a brain scan. Right. That too makes you go, okay, like I wouldn't look at somebody with cancer or with diabetes and be like, oh, well, you don't need help. (laughs) Ice cream, right? Right. You know, what you said, if, if everybody could hear that message and learn that message in their, like deep in their hearts, we could destigmatize depression and yeah. anxiety for everyone. I, I, I love that you know this to be true, like that you get that this is not, this is not an emotion. This is a real chemical thing that's happening inside of yes. bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can imagine your husband also had to learn this along the journey of this is my wife whom I love and I'm committed to. And she is not who I've known her to be at this moment. Right. And actually, so that the comment that I shared that he had said earlier was before I was clinically diagnosed with it. Mm, and not, yeah. I mean, that was like before I was three weeks postpartum even. And when, when I got clinically diagnosed because he had been depressed once before in his life. And when he was like, okay, she's not sleeping, she's not eating. And then they take me and they diagnose me. He's like, I get it. You know what? I understand what's going on. And I know that this isn't my wife. I know that she will come back to me, but I don't know when. So I just got to come down and deal with it. He sounds amazing. Yeah. He he really is. Yeah. That's great. Wow. So those, those are some pretty big experiences at three and eight weeks. Yes, very early on. And I will say, like, 
you know, for a lot of people, that is not the case that it sets in that early or really ends right. early because mine ended at eight weeks postpartum. Oh, wow. It did. And that's a whole nother story in and of itself. But um, that's not the norm <laughs> for this. Right. 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 Yeah. In fact, chances really go up closer to the six month mark. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, I, mean, I know women that it has set in at eight months postpartum. I mean, it right. can set in at any time. So. Yeah. What I'm appreciating, um, I think about that last statement you said of you're giving us your personal experience and your experience um, with kind of it starting to um, lessen and your path to, um, you know, healing and um, not those symptoms began at eight or really broke through at eight weeks um, is that as we have a conversation about, about postpartum mood disorders, is that there is a lot of variation, right? Like I would hope that somebody hearing this would say, oh no, I've never had thoughts of hurting myself or my baby. I don't have postpartum mood disorder or I sleep just fine or I really like holding my baby or, you know, kind of looking at the opposite of some of the experiences that you've had. Um, yeah. I think it's important for us to realize, just like birth, um, that there's lots of choices and um, factors um, that influence the way that we we birth, right? Um, there are also differences in the way that um, our body experiences postpartum mood disorder, the way that um, we... Well, bodies are different. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to is that our brains and our bodies are all very, very different. Yes. And so they might, they might process this differently. They might um, experience this differently, just like birth, but right. we're different. Right. Cause I would, um, in my own postpartum mood disorder journey, um, I would, I would also, um, agree with you that mine, um, kind of peaked right around that eight to 10 week mark and then things changed. Right. Um, but, uh, um, my journey was one of really wanting to be with the baby and hold the baby and doing a lot of crying with the baby. Um, and that was, um, a little bit of, again, um, the wide variety of how we can experience mood, but all those around me were like, uh, she's not quite right. And having in that similar experience, sitting with a doctor who goes, so we're going to, we're going to look at this from two places that there is emotionally things going on here and we're going to get you that support, but there's also chemically and we can use some medication to help with those chemicals. Um, Wow. And my experience was far more like Allie's and that um, I did not want to be around the baby and um, accept that I was different from both of you guys and that I did not seek help. Um, so, yeah. And I just am noticing that there's a conversation of three of us here and all three of us have gone through this. So um, it's really, you know, it's, it doesn't happen 100% of the time, but it's really, it's far more common than we know because not all women report this. So um, I would love to hear about your website. Um, tell us how to find your website and tell us about the amazing things that you are doing right now to raise awareness and help women along their journey. 
Yes. Um, so after coming out of PPD, like I shared earlier, I just started praying and thinking and felt this tugging on my heart that, you know, this is, this is not to keep to yourself and hmm. we're going to make something really good out of something really horrible. Right. And so I know how I felt. So you, when you Google PPD or any perinatal mood anxiety disorder, you're going to get a list of symptoms, but you're not going to get real human stories that people go through. And I think that's where people really identify because like you were saying, people are like, oh, well, I slept just fine or, oh, I didn't lose all that weight, so I must not have it. Well, hearing the actual stories of people and hearing how different it can be, I think really helps women identify. And mm -hmm. so when I started thinking of, you know, what can I do to help? I said, I need a platform for women to share their stories because not everybody is going to be a podcast host or a blogger or a vlogger or anything like that. They need somewhere to put their story and have a voice um, and do it justice. And so I created PPD Journey. You can go to ppdjourney.com. And on there, there's a section called Story Spotlight. And every other Monday, we put out a story from a mom that oh, has any number of perinatal mood anxiety disorders. So it's going to be PPA, PPD, PPOCD, birth trauma, psychosis, mm -hmm. it runs the gamut. And so you'll read real stories from real moms that went through something like that. Um, and even for them, it's so healing to finally have a place to put their story out there in a community where they can say, wow, I really am not alone. Yeah. And why I created PPD Journey was to have the community, to have the awareness. Um, and so, and just by sharing real people, because like you said, it's so common and people just don't talk about it. So I wanted to create a space where they could and they could do it uncensored and share what they were dealing with. And it has helped moms. We get messages every day from moms saying, I read this at 3 a.m. and I'm having a horrible time and this helped me. Hmm. So. It, it is working. It is helping. We just have to get the word out there about it. <laughs> I love it. You're right. Because we do need to hear these firsthand stories because it is, it is a secret. We seem to keep because we want to paint this picture of everything is perfect after a baby is born. You know, that's what, you know, social media is really great at that. It's showing us our, our best face and our, you know, best experience, getting that snapshot of perfection. It, not great at showing us when the night feels long and lonely and hard. It doesn't show that. So um, it's great that you're giving everybody uh, the honest truth about what it can look like. Hmm. Yes. And then we're also on social media and that's where a lot of community happens as well. So people go on and comment and connect and we actually feature stories on our social media as well. And that helps get the word out. But yeah, we're just all about building community and support systems. Hmm. That's fantastic. And how are you seeing folks connect? Do you think it's um, more commenting social media wise um, on each other's story or how are you seeing that? Yes, social media has been the best outlet for getting the word out um, about who we are and what we're doing. And it, it is the way that I've ended up connecting with other postpartum um, organizations. Like, for example, Postpartum Support International um, found us. And the Tennessee chapter is the one that I am now involved with. But Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, so I'm on um, their board now. And actually, they're going to 
climb out of darkness, which is, I think it's, yeah. Yeah. We're going to be hosting that in PPD journey. We'll have a booth there, but that's going to be on June 1st of this year. So, um, but I wouldn't have met any of them had it not been social media. So I think like the power that social media has for networking and like for me personally connecting to other organizations, but also moms to message each other and to comment and to encourage it has yeah. been huge. It's been yeah. Huge. That's yeah. great. So what kind of um, encouragement do you have for moms who are listening, who are pregnant and thinking I'm really at risk and I'm feeling nervous that this is going to be my, my story. Yeah. Um, where do I turn? So if you feel like you are at risk, then I would say immediately talk to your spouse or whoever is involved as your support person or and or your doctor and say, hey, because so here's like a stat to throw out like women who do have a history of depression before pregnancy are more likely to have PPD. Um, And for somebody like me who has had PPD, I am 80 percent likely to get it again with my next, which is a terrifying stat. But if you know that you're going to be at risk for it, putting in the necessary precautions, you there are precautions that you can take. And so I already have a safety plan in place for when that day comes again. And there are things that you can do. So there are medications that are safe that you can take during pregnancy to help start regulating your mood. Um, and then also just I know for me, breastfeeding was a huge trigger. Um, It was so stressful and painful and all the things. And I can't deal with that on top of trying to work through my emotions. And I had to be okay with that. And that was a really hard thing to be okay with. So I quit breastfeeding three weeks postpartum. But anyways, it's going to be different for everybody. But there are things that you can do to put safety in place to take care of yourself before it happens. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like laying the foundation before the storm hits. That's great. I think a huge um, recommendation that we often give would be to have um, a few meetings with a therapist. Um, If you feel at risk for postpartum mood disorder, that um, there is an established relationship with someone who particularly specializes in um, women and um, childbearing years and time and understands the complexities of that to kind of delve into where, what are some things that we can talk about to help lay that foundation of both a relationship with a therapist as well as maybe looking at um, some of those actual plans. What are you going to do if this happens? Um, How do you have self-compassion? What are the things that, um, the stressors that you can either be A, aware of or B, um, eliminate out of your life um, and have more of that, again, empathy, self-compassion, passion because I feel like shame can be a huge, huge um, barrier to us, A, getting help or or B, um, really acknowledging that there this time in life is not what we thought it was going to be, right? Um, so I think having a mental health counselor in your life is um, an amazing way to... Um, not necessarily prevent, but really co. Um, it's a nice piece of that safety net, really. Yeah. Having one more, 
I want to say link in the safety net, but there are no links in a safety net. (laughs) (laughs) Pieces of netting. Pieces of netting in that safety net. But it just adds a little, another layer of protection in that safety net. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Along with all the things that you've mentioned. They'll know. (laughs) Yeah. And that's something that PSI, um, as you mentioned earlier, that organization has um, local links to mental health therapists um, around the country. Yeah. Yes, it's a really good tool. Yeah, yeah. And what what advice do you have for women who are listening, who are actually in it right now, and um, they're in the middle of it? You're the first person they've heard speak their truth. Um, yeah, what kind of wisdom do you have for them? I mean, you've had so much, but <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm gonna try and keep it short. No, no need. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is to know that it doesn't have to be this way. Hmm. That life doesn't have Amen. to be Amen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I like that. It doesn't have to be this way. That's huge. Huge, no, huge, huge. You know, and there's a lot of the cliches of like, you're not alone. That's true. A lot of women go through it, but you still feel alone. But yes. Just knowing it doesn't have to be this way. And then just on top of that, like, and it won't be this way. Right. That's my biggest thing. And gosh, I, looking back, I don't even know if I would have believed that, (laughs) you know, it's it's so hard to hear the wisdom and hear what people are saying um, when you're so lost in it. But if, gosh, if I could just get anything to anybody is that it doesn't have to be this way and it won't be this way. And Mm -hmm. to reach out for help sooner than later, because the sooner you do, the sooner your healing is going to start. Yeah, I think that idea of hope, um, when we're in total darkness, that hope doesn't even feel real, right? Hope feels like I, the way that I've experienced um, mood disorder is if I'm in total blackness, I actually can have hope that there is hope, if that makes sense, because I don't feel hope. There's no emotion that I connect with, but I can, if somebody else is saying it doesn't have to be this way, I can latch on to that hope that someone else has because I don't have it right now myself. Right. Right. And I think, so I tell people this all the time when I'm talking to support people and counseling them because they come and they say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I say, well, they need to go see their doctor. They need to do this. Or they say, well, they don't want to do that. And so this, this is my response to stuff like that is they are not able to think for themselves right now. Right. You have to do that for them. And so that's the same thing with you know, clinging onto the hope of other people, if you can say they know better than I do in this moment and I can trust them, that helps a lot. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. And I think for support people who are listening to this, as well as those who maybe are pregnant and thinking about mood disorder afterwards, that there is a difference between having some down days, you know, and having some like darkness. That's pretty typical. This is a big life transition and there's potentially going to be some emotion involved. And we will often talk about that is that going from one stage of your life to another, it means that something ends, right? And there can be grief around that, that you go from having um, a relationship 
with your significant other that is um, just the two of you, right? And then you move into now we're welcoming in a third person. And even though we have wanted this or are in those who maybe it was unexpected, we're welcoming this and yet we're leaving something behind. And so in that journey, there can be some down days. Some like, I don't recognize myself. There is a sense of my identity that has to be re-storied um, here because I now wear this other title of of parent. Um, and my heart has changed and I'm aware of different things. And um, there's a lot of transition going on. So it really does make sense that there would be some times along the way where you're not feeling yourself you're feeling almost out about a body or um sad or you know hope feels a little distant but what we're talking about here is when that is going on and on and on it's not isolated it continues right and uh for the the information on that to really be able to know is if it's lasting longer than two weeks and right day and it is inhibiting you from doing day-to-day activities you may be yeah something more serious and that's typically how they would classify it right and you have a great list of signs and um, such on your website too so for all the listeners out there please take a look at Ali's website it's fantastic with um, great information on how to recognize what's happening Mm -hmm. too so tell us about your daughter now how old is she (laughs) so my daughter now is almost a year and a half old and she is wonderful (laughs) every second of being a mom Um, and really gosh last night even we laid in my bed for about two hours because it was a Sunday night and we were just gonna chill and so and she just cuddled with me and laid there Uh and this is this is my thought was this is what I thought being a mom was gonna be like and this yeah I love this yes and so when it initially wasn't like that, because that's what I was like, oh, we're going to be this great, cute family that cuddles and loves and all the things. And it wasn't like that immediately. Right. Um, you know, that was like really disheartening to me. But now it is. And now that, gosh, I'm out of the fog, I just enjoy her. I enjoy being around her. I miss her when I have to go work and do something and come home. Like, I want her, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Like, so yeah. And I'm so, th- she has changed me and made me a better person. I Aww. absolutely adore her. So That's fantastic. And she has encouraged you to, and, and, and brought this way into your life to change and encourage other people and, yeah, and help huge. them along the way. So she's had quite the ripple effect. Yeah. She has that impact that she doesn't even know about yet. So. Yeah. 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 What an amazing story and journey you have had and are still having and a um, powerful effect on other people you have. Yeah. So Ali, thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you for um, starting this um, website, this place for people to connect um, just on behalf of the people that you've touched. Thank you. Thank you. Are welcome and thank you for having me on the show. I've so enjoyed getting to talk about all things maternal mental health. It is a, a huge passion of mine. So I appreciate yeah. We will certainly link uh, your website and all of that great stuff onto our show notes. But can you just tell everybody one more time where to find your site and find you on social media? Yes. So the website is 
ppdjourney.com. Um, and then social media is the same thing. If you go on Instagram and search, it's ppdjourney, and it'll come right up. We're really easy to find. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on with us today. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ali, for being here with us today. And thanks everyone for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, that Pushing It podcast and on Facebook. And remember that we're on Patreon as well if you wanna check us out and even um, become a member on Patreon and get some face-to-face time with us if you want some help planning for your own postpartum period. Uh, Jen and I would love to do that with you. So definitely check that out and don't forget to follow us or subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 